0: Hello, welcome to the new episode of SupplyCast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today I'm talking to Sharon Robson from Lancashire Procurement Cluster. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Hi. I, I, was, I was slightly breaking into a laugh as I was presenting there because you did one of the big things as, as soon as I first recorded. <laughs> when you say we're recording now, it's funny how often people think, oh, that means I can say something. <laughs> well, I
1: think you could safely say that this doesn't feel like my natural milieu. So uh,
0: <laughs>
1: apologies to all of the uh, viewers out there if it's, uh, if it's a little bit embarrassing.
0: OK, um, well, I'm, I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. Um, we've been meaning to uh, um, touch base. Did I say touch base? I, I, I banned that from my lexicon many years ago and I've, I've obviously been thrown into a panic and and used touch base. So I do apologise for using the term touch base, but we've been trying to source out the recording for a little bit of time, haven't we? And um, various things have got in the way because, you know, the people that we interview and, on this are, you know, extraordinarily busy and I'm always very grateful and the HTSA are always very grateful for the time that people give us to record these, these podcasts. Um, but Sharon, first of all, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit as I do the guests, how you got into procurement, healthcare procurement. I know that you used to be in local government, I believe prior to that. So I'm guessing you've been in public sector procurement for a while, but can you tell
1: me a bit about that? Yeah, so um, I don't think any of us at school ever heard of what procurement was. And I sort of rolled through school and university not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I ended up actually being quality manager And I was quality manager in manufacturing, as it happens. And um, one day the MD said, do you want to try buying as it was many years ago? Mm -hmm. And that was my start. So I was really in procurement in a manufacturing environment for many, many years. And then I just came to a funny age, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I want to do something where I can make a difference. I know that whatever I get involved with, I give 110% to. And I also know that I'm able to create change. And I saw this job and it was for Salford City Council and the strap line was, do you want to make a difference? And I thought, mm, let's go for that.
0: So- <laughs> Yes, um, I do, I want to yes. make a difference.
1: Yes, so, you know, in fairness, I took a demotion and a salary reduction, but it was the best thing I ever did. And mm. I remember walking across the concourse with my new laptop saying in Salford and just feeling so proud. And I always look back and think that job was like my first love in public sector procurement. It was lovely. And ever since then, I've been really passionate about public sector mm-hmm. procurement because I really feel that when we get it right with our commissioners and our stakeholders, we can absolutely change the world for the better. Um, so that's, that's what I'm about and that's what I enjoy to do.
0: When did you get into um, the healthcare side of procurement?
1: So it was 2009 was local government and then it was 2016 for NHS. And I'd, I'd always thought, oh, the NHS looks quite scary. And then this mm. role came up. I'd been running a shared service in GM and I just thought, mm, well, I'll give it a go. And I was successful. And, and now that I've been doing the job for almost four years, yes, the NHS is scary. <laughs>
0: and, uh, it's particularly scary last life? eighteen
1: months, though. Oh my goodness! Well, I think uh, I think it's the sort of thing you know how we used to hear about the war. What did you do in the war, Grandad? Mm, yeah. I think you know I'll be able to say, "Wow, what what did we do in that particular war?" Yeah. I really feel quite privileged um, that we were able to make such a difference in those circumstances, myself and the team, and, and all trust-based procurement teams, really. They've done mm-hmm. an absolutely astounding job. Really very proud to be part of that.
0: Now, in terms of that, you've, you've sort of given me a bit of an in there to one of the things I wanted to talk about, but when um, Simon Walter-HCSA took over the acting chief officer um, role, as he did, um, and he will relinquish that when Keith Rowley takes over as, as uh, chief officer, uh, permanently from the first of October. Um, during that little period, he had um, Simon Walsh that he's been in since then. He um, uh, took it upon himself to contact various teams, procurement teams mm. that he f- that he wanted to kind of pick out as I suppose like like trailblazers and teams that have been particularly excelling during obviously an ex- extremely difficult period. And uh, one of those teams was the Lancashire Procurement cl- Cluster. That you lead. So, I guess the first thing to say is first of all, how did it feel to be picked out for recognition like that? And then perhaps if you can tell me about that, then we can have a little bit of discussion about the procurement cluster, because I understand it's only been going to just a few short years, hasn't it?
1: Yes, yes. So, we were brought in in 2016, November, to write a business case, myself and my deputy, Mike Doyle. We wrote the business case, we went through the governance process, which was by no means a foregone conclusion and we went to consultation with over 110 members of staff we did all of that within the year and we commenced the lpc in november 2017 so um you know we're not even four year old yet and um really the journey and I, I try to avoid you know you were saying you've got this thing that you avoid touching <laughs> base i'll try to avoid the journey that we've been on but oh it has, excellent it's a bit extra isn't
0: it i think i'll call it
1: the roller coaster that been on actually that would be more appropriate um, so when simon picked us out specifically gosh i was first of all really surprised but secondly incredibly flattered because you know simon himself is a legend in terms yeah. of nhs yeah. procurement without any doubt and absolutely someone who you know i try to be more like um i don't always achieve it because we're quite different characters Um, But it is certainly someone who I know that I can learn from. So for him to us out specifically, it was incredibly um, heartwarming, really. And I shared it with the team. And and I also shared it with our directors, the directors of the LPC, which is effectively the the directors of finance for our trusts, who also understood that actually this was a real accolade um, Mm -hmm. to be proud of. So it was it was lovely. It was it was unexpected and uh, really very, very nice. And it does, you know, every every day is a challenge in fairness because, you know, we we deliver numbers, but we also deliver service and we're always trying to do better. So to get that little motivational boost like that when you least expect it is really lovely. I, I remember the day being a particularly challenging day and you're yeah. thinking to yourself, oh, my yeah sometimes I've got to give myself a talking to like if it was easy they wouldn't need us yeah, yeah I think for yeah, procurement yeah, yeah. people generally um, and I remember that was a particularly yeah, tough day and then that email just popped up it was like oh wow so it was <laughs> lovely uh, and I
0: suppose uh, I, I suppose a bit's been said about it as we've spoken about it on this podcast Um, quite a bit with various different people that that have been interviewed, that by definition, the procurement teams have always been in the background. Um, The the little sort of cogs that were were away. Um, And I suppose one thing, um, it's always a bit funny, isn't it, to talk about positives, but I guess there are some in terms of how people come together and, uh, you know, looking back, there's a lot to be proud of, obviously. There's a lot of pride in that. Um, but I suppose that's the other thing, isn't it? I suppose getting that kind of a message from Simon was another thing that helped to sort of push you forward because I mean sort of recognition, I mean obviously yes, there's awards, I mean the HTSA awards, um, which will obviously you know take place in November at the conference, um, you know they exist purely to be a way of acknowledging a group of people that largely were unacknowledged outside of the media circle. Um, so I suppose, I guess part of what Simon was doing there was looking to, um, you know, to get a, um, you know, much uh, deserved pat on the yeah. back and just yeah. let know, we know it, we see what you're doing and yeah. that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that he particularly picked out was the sharing of what we've done with others. And, you know, if we talk about surrender, Cinderella services mm-hmm. um, around procurement, well, actually, logistics... And supply chain is one step removed again mm. and within our structure from the outset i've always felt that the logistics function within the nhs is very poor relative to the private sector so mm. there's there's real opportunities for us to develop so for me that logistics element has always had parity within the team in terms of the strategic leadership and also in terms of the way that we want to reshape the way in the service is being delivered So a lot of the work that we've done is around Scan for Safety, moving towards being enabled for Scan for Safety and effectively using digital technology to track our usage um, of of product and automated ordering cycles. And Dave Harris, who leads that um, team, has been really very, very, um, uh, if you like, open with all of our um, partners, neighbouring trusts, Nationally trust in terms of come and see what we've done. we'd love to share it with you, because actually, if it's meant a difference for us, it can make a difference for you too. And this we're all part of this public sector, aren't we? and we're all here to actually look after the health and well-being of our friends, our families and our communities. So why wouldn't we share any of the learning or experience or any of the potholes that we've fallen into, which is sometimes a little bit even more valuable. And um, so that's, that's our mentality really, in terms of sharing sharing information but also by asking for help because we you know we know that there's so much out there that we can learn from too
0: i'm guessing it almost felt when the, the covid situation happened i guess it must have almost felt fortuitous that the cluster was there because it obviously must have made things for a lot easier yes. for you yes. in that situation know, yes. that was a fairly unforeseeable situation um you know, in that, obviously, you know, that you get certain, you know, periods where it's tougher with winter flu, et cetera, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and obviously you would have been uh, preparing Brexit, for example. But I guess it must have felt quite fortuitous at the time that that was set up at a time. And what would it have been like for you, do you think, if you didn't have the cluster during during COVID? I,
1: I think we would have. Um, so we drove a lot of the, so mutual aid, I think, was an absolute key for everyone nationally. Mm-hmm. But well, I think if we hadn't have had a – I mean, we very quickly moved to a control model in terms of PPs we turned into a push organisation mm-hmm. and we consolidated all of the product in one place and we agreed the allocations to the trusts. I'm convinced if we hadn't done that, trusts would have purely been looking to their own requirements first. But actually because we managed the demand across the whole of the ICS at some of the most critical times on some of the most critical items, we all stayed safe, as opposed to one trust failing and another one succeeding. So for me, it was the fundamentals. And I think the other advantage that we did have, my background, is global sourcing, manufacturing out of the Far East, China. I was visiting factories in China in 1990. Um, right. So I understood that whole sequence of events. But similarly, you know, Dave, on the logistics side, we could sort the logistics side ourselves in terms of transport. And then other members of the team, we had clinical nurses who enabled us to really set up a whole quality audit function, because we were used as organisations to receiving product from the centre, which we don't need to test. All of that changed, and we had to source and validate um, product ourselves. And I think probably one of the most memorable times was a conversation with Dr Wu in Hong Kong, in SG testing services, who had about six of us online and gave us a teaching in in type two, our masks, and the chemical composition technology behind that, and and how to spot uh, something that isn't bona fide um, in terms of documentation and product. So we did things that were were quite um, different to what the NHS did. But yeah. some of us within the team had had a lot of that experience in the mm-hmm. past, so if you like it, it, it gives us a little bit of a, of a step ahead as to the best way to go around that.
0: How do you feel set up with the cluster now with with Brexit? Because obviously, I was saying to Mark Roscoe in the previous episode, it's it's funny really because all the it, Brexit was the big kind of like cloud and the horizon, and then this much bigger cloud came along. Which made you forget about the other cloud behind it. But as the bigger cloud. Sorry, I'm going overboard the cl- on the on the cloud analogies here. But anyway, if you know, just sort of bear with me here, the, the large the, the the larger cloud starts to dissipate. I'm going to be positive and say that it's kind of dissipating. You can see through the larger cloud yeah. to the other cloud behind it. And now I promise no more references to clouds. But what, that smaller cloud of Brexit, which is still a big cloud, but it's just yeah. not the big as that yeah. other one um how do you feel with that like have you had to sort of pivot a bit to that has it been a bit of a pivot back to brexit and you've gone oh remember that where's my brexit file or was it always along the same time
1: i think in terms of brexit my reflection is we prepared for it at least four times now so we we had a plan um ready to go and then we only really needed to to implement the plan the final time right okay and in fairness i think Probably some of the lessons that we learned through COVID, this is nationally, not just um, trust-based procurement, helped us cope with the Brexit scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, in fact, in actual fact, apart from some clunkiness at the beginning in terms of paperwork, which again, because Dave understood a lot of the tech, you know, the, the technical technicalities behind the paperwork and what we needed in terms of VAT declarations, et cetera, we smoothed our way through that. And I think the rest of us did too. I think now Brexit is probably more of a risk potentially now than it was in the sense that, um, you know, we've got labour shortages, clearly. We've also got, and specifically around um, HGV drivers, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never experienced in my lifetime going to the supermarket and the shelves having gaps. We're seeing that regularly now, aren't we? yeah,
0: Um, yeah.
1: So, you know, I think I think there is something in that in terms of thinking about preparing for Christmas, because mm-hmm. clearly there's going to be a lot more product being shipped globally and nationally. And yep. we, we need to start thinking about another plan, really.
0: Okay, yeah, I know I was just in my supermarket the other day and I think was, uh, I was I promised that I was gonna cook some fajitas and I promise you trying to figure out how to how to make fajitas without any tortilla wraps is, is not fun, <laughs> you know, aside from for uh, yeah, a loaf of bread and a rolling pin, maybe, I don't know, I mean, I was willing to try anything at that stage, I was a desperate man going down those aisles, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, it's an interesting thing, and I think that Brexit's got lost in the, obviously, in the COVID washed somewhat, but it is something that's been, I've been thinking about a lot, and like, as I say, we, we spoke last time out as well with um, Mark, Mark Roscoe, and um, that's great just before i move on to the um the bit that we're going to go to at the end we asked just a little bit about your personal preferences i was going to say we are face-to-face uh, events have come back now that they're, they're starting yeah. to happen and yeah. obviously the hsa one in no in in november um how are you how are you feeling about that are you looking forward to getting back to meeting people again is it going to be strange is it yeah, it yeah. well
1: today i'm in the office and it's it's it's, i've seen more people today than i've probably seen in the last 18 eight months and it's been right. lovely. so many smiley faces it's mm. really really nice and then next week on wednesday i'm traveling down to london which i haven't done literally since before covid going to the um sips awards so we've been shortlisted right. yeah. for sips so um yeah it's going to feel very different and um i just heard on the radio that um Apparently health and safety is a major issue in London on the underground because people don't want to use the handrails. So there's a lot of people falling on the escalators. So isn't it strange how things are just completely different to the way they were before? So, yeah, our behaviours and and how we are all choosing to react is having other uh, unexpected outcomes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, Sharon, um, I'm going to move on now to the ending part of the podcast, which is that be called Desert Island Supplies. Um, I say we, I call it that, and <laughs> everyone just has to accept it. Um, this is where we invite you to take a luxury item, uh, one album by an artist, and one film onto a mm. desert island. Uh, you don't have to worry about food, drink anything like that, that's fine. Um, so that's where you need to go. So first of all, I'm going to ask you for your luxury item.
1: Crikey. Um, I haven't had much time to think about this one. Um, I think I would say a pair of scissors. Uh, that's a very practical luxury item, isn't
0: it? <laughs> I'm just that's thinking about cutting up, practical. Up, cutting
1: up leaves. I used to make all my own clothes. So cutting up leaves, spearing fish. Yeah, that's. All that, and, and cutting my, this is gross, cutting my toenails.
0: <laughs> because, you know, um, you, you've got to keep up your beauty regime, even on a <laughs> desert island, haven't you? You know, and, and I can see where you're coming from with the scissors. I think I saw it in Castaway with Tom Hanks. You're going to like, you're going to like sort of get a bit of vine and tie it to the end of a bit of stick you find and throw yeah. it like that. I love how quickly you went into. It probably says a lot about your sharing and Lancaster Pure and Cluster, but straight away it went into practicalities, you know, luxury item. But what do I really need on that? I don't think anyone's taking that question so seriously. Right, I'm a desert What do I really need? I need a sharp edge, something with a sharp edge. <laughs> well,
1: my first thought was mascara. And I thought, well, there's nobody to see it. And you haven't got a mirror, so
0: you don't really need it. Brilliant point. It's a brilliant point. Um, I am, after that answer, I I cannot wait to find out what your choice of music would be. I'm trying to think what it was. Are you going to tell me that your choice of music would be some sort of audio book and how to survive a desert island? Mm. Because that doesn't count.
1: Well, I do like audio books, in fairness. I think in terms of an album, I'm going to be showing my age now. So I wasn't thinking of albums. I was actually thinking of singles because I I I do Mm -hmm. listen to desert island discs a lot. And I often wonder what mine would be. So, there you
0: go. Here's a yeah, jump. Fantastic.
1: That's probably where this is getting from. That's my excuse. Yeah. Um, so tainted love, one of my old time favourites. New order Excellent. New Monday.
0: Right. Okay, um, brilliant.
1: The clash, anything by the clash, really. Um anything in that era suits. Okay. Me. Very happy with that. But um Excellent. absolutely not anything like George Benson or you know, which was a similar era. I was like, <laughs>
0: I, was, I was much more uh, edgy than that. Excellent. Okay. Um, I hope you wouldn't it be terrible if you turned up on that desert island and you walked around the corner. And the only other person on that island was George Benson.
1: <laughs> or my sister-in-law
0: who loves George Benson. <laughs> <laughs> or both of them. Um uh, maybe you could get hungry and eat them, I don't know. But um so that's the music. We've got your luxury. we've got a pair of scissors. I mean, we've got we and we've got some of the best of the Clash and, and and New Order and uh, uh, Soft Sale. Yeah. Um, what would the film be?
1: No, that is a really really difficult one. Um, so just recently for my birthday, my daughter who is sixteen and I and my daughter's had a really tough time in COVID as as most mm-hmm. teenagers have, mm-hmm. and we went away to a hotel together, and. Um, Rather than going down for a nice meal, we happened to look out the window. It was a city break and there was a kebab shop. So we said, mm. oh, Mamma, can I have a kebab?
0: It says the best <laughs> kebabs
1: in it was in York. Uh. Best kebabs in York. So clearly it'd have to be the best kebabs in York. So yeah. we, we had a kebab in the hotel room and uh, we searched for a film and we found Pretty Woman. Right. And, uh, I mean, I remember that. When I was younger, yeah. I remember making clothes, like what she had, because I could sew at the time, I, I did a lot yep. of sewing and I wasn't very, I was hard up for cash and uh, I'm, I'm choosing it, not because of the memories of the past, but because of the memories of the evening with my daughter, because it was right. magical, it was just really Brilliant. and that Brilliant. picture, that film from here on in will be very special for me.
0: Excellent, well I think those are outstanding outstanding answers both emotional and practical i
1: know i'm getting teary i just think (laughs) about
0: you're covering everything you'd need on that island so i think it's great (laughs) um i I will not that we're we're just about done here Shane. thank you very much for finding the time to do this um i will not be sending a copy of this to george benson's agent if indeed George Benson's still alive, I have no idea. I'm no George Benson expert. <laughs> I, feel, I feel he's had a rough ride on this podcast, though. Uh, thank you very much for following me, and continued success. And look forward to seeing you at the um, HTSA conference in in November. And good luck at the SIPS Awards.
1: Thank you, thank you, Bruce, and thank you for um, persevering to get a good connection on
0: this call. <laughs> yeah, no right, take care. Bye. Bye that that's the end of this week's episode i hope you can join me again in the next episode of supply cast